You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to the Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. My name is Oz David, so I'll be your host show. Joining me, as always, is my co-host from Wisconsin, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are you doing after another win from your insufferable blue bombers? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm about to become a whole lot more insufferable. <laughs> uh, so for two, now it's two weeks in a row where a quarterback from Franklin, Wisconsin, outscored the Rough Riders by himself. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. Uh, uh, it's going to take a while for for me to come down off of that one. But, but let me ask you this. How about your other team? What other team? What are we talking about? Oh, no. Are we already at that stage? Oh, are we talking about, uh, are we talking about American football now? No, no, no. We're talking about Rouge, White, and Blue fantasy football. Oh, that one. No, yes. no, that one actually, that one's actually doing well. Oh, great. Uh, okay. What won this week over Steve from Piffles, so he got to deal with both both me and my team beating him and his team. So it worked out pretty well for me. Less so for Steve, but I know he's a good dude. He'll 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 come he'll he'll get his he'll get his shots back at me at some point, so Yeah, no, I wasn't gonna pick on you for the Green Bay Packers man. I I don't know what that was on Sunday by them. Uh, but I, I wasn't going to pick on you for that because I have no basis here. Your, your, your blue bombers are just unstoppable. And this is the Rouge White Blue CFL podcast. Yes, so. and the Packers are going to dress like the Elks this year. So that it, it just stands to reason that they play like them. It works out. <laughs> well, the Elks last week were better than the Packers this week. That's for sure. Okay, well, we, we we're going to talk some news items, but we're going to put those off for now get into more of that next week. So let's just get into last week's games. Quite the interesting slate. I don't know if the best games of the year, but certainly some of the most interesting. Uh, actually, before we got started, I did want to pick on you a little bit because uh, going back and re-listening to last week's podcast, which I never do, I, I wanted to, on one hand, congratulate you for your assessment of the Edmonton Elves after I started drinking the Kool-Aid a little too quickly after they blew out Calgary uh, the week before last weekend. But on the other hand, I'm going to call you out a little bit on the Tiger Cats because your assessment was that in general, they don't do anything really badly. They don't do anything wrong, you know? But I, I'm going to push back after seeing that game this weekend and say, you know, that may be true, but they don't do anything particularly well either. Um, you know, to me, this is a team that really just is they're kind of running on fumes at this point. I really is don't he... understand what's happening in Hamilton. They and, and the other thing is this, too. Now that, you know, their MOP has disappeared inexplicably. I mean, I know he's on the IR, but I mean, even before that, he was nowhere. Um, they don't have that all-star guy. Like, Woods is occasionally in Edmonton, or Stanback is in Montreal, or about six or seven guys on Winnipeg. 
They don't have the one guy that can break the game open for them anymore. No, they really don't. Unless you're unless you're talking special teams, in that case, they're yeah. they're in great shape. Unless you're talking about the kicking game, which nobody's right. in shape this year on. Right. Uh, they're also going to miss Dane Evans for, for four to six weeks. Yeah. And who knows if Jeremiah Mazzoli is ready to go. Are we going to see David Watford this next week? I would bet on Watford, yeah, but we can, we can get into that a bit later. I, I yeah, just... we'll, get, we'll, we'll get more into that on the preview, but uh, yeah, you're it's it's weird how quickly things can change, too, mm-hmm. where you can go from knowing that you're average to above average and everything to losing your quarterback for the second time this season. And then now what are you going to, what are you going to say about the offense? You're going to yeah. deal with, you're going to have a, you're going to have a quarterback that hasn't started a game in like six years and never at this level. Now I, I, and even so they did rally. They were down early. Evans, through everything he had at the Argos in the second half until he went down. Right. right. Yeah. 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 But that's but this is not a spot that I thought we'd be sitting here talking about Hamilton being in this year. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was going to I was going to start the show with this. Hey, if the playoffs started this week, well, if the playoffs started this week, we'd be pretty bummed out because we know it would be some COVID thing that caused it. But if the playoffs started today, Calgary's in last place in the West. They don't make playoffs. Hamilton, if they want to get to the Grey Cup, have to do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trail and play two games away before they get back home to Hamilton. <laughs> you know, the Vogue pick to take the Grey Cup isn't going to be the Grey Cup this season. This is not going to happen, folks. Uh, I hope nobody laid any serious money on that, that 85% of us had. Uh, in any case. Mm. But then I guess my question is, where are we in a month? If Evans comes back in four weeks and becomes the guy again in Hamilton, are they out of the realm of possibility for finishing first in a month? Yeah, well, <laughs> we're going to talk about Toronto and Montreal here momentarily. Let's talk about Toronto Argonauts 17, Hamilton Tiger Cats 16. Uh, at first, you know, directly after this game, this game had me feeling better about my Alouette's chances. Uh, of course, Hamilton just looking as sluggish as they did in week one and week two, just not looking up for this game. And Nick Arbuckle showing this real tendency to shoot himself in the foot. I mean, Arbuckle's having a real hard time finishing these games, putting teams away. I mean, and that was the thing about this game. This was one of these classic games where, like, neither team wanted to win. Right, and it kind of, even though it didn't feel like it on Friday night, reconsidering over the last few days makes me think that I might have been on the right track about Toronto being next year's real threat. They they had a chance at home to put their rivals away, and they couldn't do oh, it. Yeah. And they needed they needed a little bit of divine intervention at the end basically, to keep it from going to overtime against a team that had rallied and had the momentum going in their direction. Yeah. Not quite what you wanted to see, but uh, if you're an Argo fan, you're also not going to give it back either. Oh, no. So They are in a good position vis-a-vis the standings, of course. Uh, they are 
Duke playing a lot better than people thought they were. So I, I could see an Argo fan sitting there going, you know what? I'm, I'm fine with where we're at. I'm hoping we can do a little bit better going forward. And maybe, yes, next year's the year we leap and make a true challenge for the Grey Cup. Well, they're well happy but, right now. Look, they're in first yeah, place. They, they beat the Argos. <laughs> and they beat the Thai Cats, yep. And the uh, the other three teams in the East are, you know, in the immediate future, not looking so great. I mean, the Argos have got to love their position right now. They're 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 in a great position. I don't think I don't know if the Argo fans like the brand of football they're playing right now because it's not very explosive. And the roster this is a classic. The roster looks better on paper than it does on the field right now. Team, but you know they're in a great great spot. Great spot, and taking care of this game was quite helpful in that. Yep, I would just like to see, and it's something I bring up quite often and haven't so far this year actually, but I would have liked to see a little bit more killeristic out of them, being able to put away a team that was down and showing that they were the dominant team. Pretty much like how they handled Winnipeg, although they let Winnipeg creep back into that on the scoreboard. They dominated the whole game. Whereas in this game, they let Hamilton come back and come back into it and make it a real contest. Yeah, see, that was, that was the thing. Instead of the Argos putting the team away and that being the sign of, okay, this team is for real, it was the Hamilton Tiger Cats missing the extra point and going, oh, that's what kind of season it's going to be for the Thai Cats. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, this was a Thai Cats loss. Not an Argos win. You know, I mean, that's, and I mean, you know, that's, and I have Al- a feeling Alex we're going to have a side. lot. I, I have a feeling we're going to say that a lot about Eastern teams this year. Oh, don't remind me in any case. Except for I, one in particular. Um, one in particular is going to go, and, and it's one that we're not talking about on a recap portion this week. <laughs> uh, that being Oz, Montreal, Alouettes, of course, having the bye. But I have a feeling that their their play is going to dictate their results most weeks. Could be, yeah. Could very well be. Uh, okay, let's go on because I know you want to you want to do this one. Uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Okay, so is your second favorite banjo bowl ever, Joe? Third, because I wasn't at this one. Okay, I've seen two banjo bowl wins. <laughs> In live and in person. I have to break those above it just because. But at the same time, I'm not giving this one back either. (laughs) Okay, you guys need to. Of course not. Okay, you guys uh, in Winnipeg need to stop decrying the Banjo Bowl, too. I mean, this is like two in a row at three out of the last four, I believe. So I think that, like, yeah, the Banjo Bowl thing is well in hand at this point for you guys. Oh, case. no, no, no. Like, Winnipeg fans aren't going to sit here and go, oh, we're playing the Riders in the Banjo Bowl? Ooh, yeah, oh. we're doomed. If that's Labor Day. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Okay, sorry. Sorry, I, did, I we'll, got confused. We'll, we'll sit here and confidently pick the, the Bombers uh, right, in Banjo right. Bowl every single year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I, I got confused. I think I think not. Jeez. We can fix that. On one hand. Uh, you have to say, what can what more can you say about these blue bombers? But on the other hand, you can marvel at some of the stuff they're doing. Uh, in this game, you have three 
wide receivers. And, you know, if, if you're only judging this week, these were probably three of the top five uh, receivers of the week in the CFL. Uh, Nick Dempsey, five catches for 134 yards, 83 yards after the catch, which was a thing of beauty. And Kenny Lawler and Darvin Adams both scored touchdowns. And then, of course, on defense, like we need to talk about this again. Now Adam Bigdell apparently is intercepting passes. <laughs> you know, Willie Jefferson is giving you two sacks and a forced fumble. Um, let's see. what. Else. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the fantasy stud, Sean McGuire. This guy has more rushing touchdowns than anybody else has rushing or receiving touchdowns. He has 10 carries for 13 yards. Five TDs, possibly the ultimate CFL vulture, CFL fantasy football vulture season. Quite potentially, we're looking at the best vulture season of all time, having a really good year. And, you know, and all in all, Andrew Harris has a pretty mundane game. And the Bombers still win by 24 points. Some writers fans, Joe, might contend that your Bombers mostly won because of the fight. Fight, 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 fight. No. No. Well, two and out seemed pretty upset, you know, at when two of the Riders' defenders got pitched, and Harris, who some people might say started the whole thing, did not get the 15-yard penalty, I believe, for unsportsmanlike, but did not get the ejection. Well, we that fair, Joe? Was we that no, it's clearly not fair. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll plainly admit that. I think okay. ripping a guy's helmet off should be, and, and especially in that scenario where it's a after the play after the play is over, it's a skirmish. You're ripping a guy's helmet off. That should be an ejection. But mm-hmm. we've also established in the CFL that you can not only rip off a guy's helmet, you can hit him with it and not get ejected. Yep. Adams. Yep. Uh, I was to just bring gonna back bring that luck up. from 2019. Uh, the CFL has has clearly defined what is ejectable and what isn't uh, as far as things go. Punching a guy is going to get you tossed. Ripping a guy's helmet, unless you chuck it 30 yards down the field, and we haven't seen that happen for about 20 years now, AJ Gass, um, <laughs> that usually is not going to get you thrown out. Now it should, but not by the letter of the law. So... They can be as mad as they want about that. It's they can be as mad as they want to be about Andrew Harris' existence in general. They can be as mad as they want about um, the officials not throwing him out. But the officials followed the rules in that case. Now, did they miss a bomber punching a rider in the pile? Possibly. Uh, but here's another idea: don't get in that situation in the first place. Wow. Don't yeah. give them a chance to throw one of your guys out. Yeah. Knock the crap off after the play, for one thing. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you, you can, you can see where the frustration was coming in. You can see where the blowout sure. happened. I mean, the Riders had just played a game where they had lost by, like, what, 25 to the same team, and they were starting to do it again. <laughs> you know, you yeah. can, some, and somebody talked some trash. I wouldn't be surprised if it were Harris, and that was it. That was it. That don't, was put, don't put, don't put, don't put, don't put your ability to continue in the game into the official's hands and you won't have a problem. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say about that. 
I do have another couple of points to come back to yeah, on go this for game. It. But you got, on, you on the bombers or on the riders? Uh, on the bombers, in particular, okay. their bombers. short yardage play calling. Okay. Because uh, this is something I hope Buck Pierce would carry over from Paul La Police. And they haven't actually had a ton of opportunities to play around with a second and one situation. Lots of third and ones where you just take the yard and move on, which is what you're supposed to do in that situation. But on second and ones in 2019, Chris Trevler would often freelance or be given the license to freelance, uh, take it around the end or do a play-action pass and throw it downfield. Really glad to see that Buck has left that part of the package in for Sean McGuire, because that gives the Bombers a weapon on second and one. Knowing that knowing that if the defense plays too tight on, 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 the, uh, on the dive, they can always pull the ball back and toss it up there. Single receiver on the pattern, uh, Nick Dembski wide open and almost scores on it. Uh, I like the fact that they're willing to do more in the short yardage package than just plunge forward every single time and let the other team know what's going on. Yeah, Dembski got into space in general like three or four times, and he had you know the the five yard cushion around him basically a few times. Yes. So he was, and when he was gone, around. and when he was gone for a couple of weeks, nobody was getting open like that. Right. 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 Again, like it, again, they have three all CFL guys at receiver here, potentially on any given week. You know, and you can talk like as much crazy. as you want about Andrew Harris and how indispensable he is to the team, and it would be a blow we've seen not to have him around because Brady Oliveira had one game where he where he looked like he could be the next Andrew Harris, and then fell off the face of the earth the next two games because defenses recognize that the bombers were going to use them in that fashion. But I would say beyond the quarterback position, not having Nick Dembski would be the biggest blow to the bombers offense. Wow. Wow. That's a hot take. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's one I'll stick to. What else you got on the bombers? That's the, that's the big one there. Okay. Uh, as how those are the two big things, the short yardage being creative again, which is something I don't see other teams in the league do nearly as often as they should. And Dembski being as indispensable as he is. Yeah, I think you're right because you really did notice it in this game, for example, that he was up. Just so many opportunities created against, you know, a decent secondary. I mean, they had been looking good. Until the bye, which is where I'm going to get to. Now that they, they, the riders looked great, went into the bye. Since then, they've taken a couple of what 25. Okay, let's say three and a half touchdown losses back to back to Winnipeg. Uh, Fajardo got hit, and knocked out of this game. Where do they go from here? Well, the good news for the riders is that it sounds like Fajardo's practicing already. So. Clearly, they feel comfortable with him playing playing on Friday, which is really good news for the Riders and honestly really good news for the league in general because when he is on and that offense is clicking, it's one of the most dynamic in the league and one of the yeah. most fun to watch. And as we'll talk about next week, sometimes that hasn't been happening so often this in these past few years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Uh, all right. 
Let's go on to Calgary Stampeders 22 at Edmonton Elks 16. Bo Levy-Mitchell returns, turns in a not Levy-esque performance, but it was more than enough to take care of the Edmonton Elks, who are now 0-3 at home and have torched any optimism they had gained by beating the Stamps in the previous game. Uh, One of the things that struck me about this season of the CFL in general, I wanted to get your take on this before we get into this game, is the no lead is safe thing just isn't working this year. Leads are safe. We haven't seen any great comebacks. No, though, besides the aborted attempt in Calgary by Montreal, we haven't, and Hamilton, I guess, against Toronto this week, we really haven't even seen anything come close. Yeah. 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 The Alouettes game was the first one. And of course, that fell short by a yard. Um, but yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, here's another one. I mean, this game was only 19 to 6 in the third quarter. That was enough. That was enough uh, to end this game. Now, you know, Edmonton just came out and showed, you know, I guess it was all smoke and mirrors last week. They really don't have much of an offense here. Uh, I actually looked at the play-by-play today in the fourth quarter, three two and outs, and one drive where they had the penalty on Calgary and then a two and out. So it's just like, man. That is, if, if nothing else, that is the sign of an anemic offense. I mean, hell, the Red Blacks offense looked better than this Edmonton offense this week. And, and there's no weapons in, in, in Ottawa at all. What, what happened here? What happened with Edmonton? You saw this coming. Yeah, Edmonton had no business play, has no business playing this poorly with the amount of talent they have. Mm-hmm. But yet they continue to do so. Every once in a while, they spark up. And have a nice week like they did in Calgary on Labor Day. But they haven't really shown that they can manage what they have on hand. Whether they're whether players are being miscast, whether they're having issues uh, gelling as a group, I really couldn't tell you. But they're they're less than the sum of their parts right now, and it's mm-hmm. pretty sad to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I don't. I just don't like anything out of Edmonton right now. That one game, everything was right. And now just, wow, play calling was bad. Just just everything was bad. Uh, you know, the uh, inconsistency problems have returned. It's just, just terrible stuff. For Calgary, Bo Levy, like I said, wasn't that amazing in his return. 23-42, 276 yards, one touchdown versus one interception. But Kamir Jordan was awesome. Let's see. One of the fantasy plays of the week, 12 catches for 159 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Banks was another monster. Unfortunately, we don't really play fantasy defense in CFL. Uh, Three quarterback sacks, seven tackles, and a fumble recovery. So you kind of saw Edmonton for what they were. So were you impressed with the stamps? I mean, you kind of hinted at it before. Can they dig their way out of fifth place? I think Calgary can, because I think Edmonton's digging for fifth place themselves. <laughs> now, I'm not going to... At this point, it's pretty clear that Calgary isn't going to be a dominating force in the West this year. It's just not happening at this point. But they're well-coached enough that you need to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. Not that often, anyway. I mean, you could throw away week two with Bo playing, playing injured, where the BC was able to take advantage of a ton of mistakes. Yeah. You you still have to go and play a good game against Calgary to get your W, and Edmonton did not. Just 
they weren't there. Not this time. Nope. 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 And that was a that was a that would have been huge for them. They would have been able to put two games in between them and Calgary, having won two games, burying their rival who had been a pain in their rear end for a, a decade, and they come out flat. How do you do that? At home. At home. At home, even. Whether zero and three this year. <laughs> um, all right, final game of the week. I guess we can keep this one short because I don't think anyone wants to relive this, except for maybe Michael Riley. I don't think anyone wants to relive this game. BC Lions 45, Ottawa Red Blacks 13. Uh, the Red Blacks have become little more than a stat stuffer by this season, I think, at this point. Uh, but but the crazy thing is, you know, Dominic, Dominic Davis was not bad. You know, I mean, it, if you just looked at the stat line, you'd be surprised that they lost by 32 points. I mean, geez, let's see. Uh, I had it here. He had 303 yards, I think. And uh, one interception, maybe. Maybe two. Uh, but certainly not, like, awful. I mean, again, like, like better number. They're, they're putting together better drives than Edmonton did, for example. They're just not punching it in. This team has strange problems. But I'm wondering what you think of BC after this game. BC actually did what I thought Edmonton should have done this week. They took an opponent that was inferior, and they made them look inferior, which is something that it's been hard for CFL teams to do this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ottawa was just lacking talent. BC has a bunch, and they made it clear that they were the more talented team, and they just kept kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. Uh, Ottawa did show some fire, uh, a little bit of heart, putting up a bunch of yards. Yeah. Couldn't finish things, but at least it's a step in the right direction for them. And they seem to be bringing reinforcements in as uh, as we go here. Mm-hmm. Kenny Stafford will be there this next week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like they're going to get the airlift going, like Ottawa used to do way back when, and just try to reload and try to make, make a go of it in the second half of the season. Wow. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting to see if they can make anything out of this, because they may go into that second half 1-6. Right. Not sure what to make about this. I, I'm not sure what to take away from BC either because, okay, so I went through and looked at it today. After playing Ottawa this season, teams are 1-2 so far, but the only win was this one. It was BC who had a bye last week and then the previous week had played Ottawa. So... I'm not at all sure what to make of this BC win at all. And it also sets up an interesting scenario next week when we get BC and Montreal, two teams coming off their game with Ottawa. But tough to measure, I think, any team playing Ottawa right now and, you know, giving up 13 points. I just don't know what to make of BC. All right, we'll go to a brief break, and we'll be back theoretically making picks on next week's game. Let's 
start this week's games. Start off the schedule this week. Calgary Stampeders at Hamilton. And now this one's a pick which I thought was really interesting. Uh, those into betting, there, there should be some movement on this one. I don't, I don't think this will go off as a pick. But I'll be interested to see where this thing goes. Uh, I think by that, I mean the line. I, I think the, the Tim Horton's mystique is done in Hamilton. I don't think anyone's buying that right now. And I think Calgary is actually on an upswing here. They're probably better than a one and five team. Well, they are. They're two and four. <laughs> well, okay. I'm sorry. Two and five. I meant two and five. Sorry. So I don't, I can't imagine that just based on those numbers, I can't imagine that they're going to lose this game. So yeah, I'm going to go Calgary straight up. I say Calgary wins this thing. Well, yeah, I would tend to agree given that they have both Bo and Jake Mayer available this week. Whereas Hamilton may yeah. be starting David Watford. Uh, we go back to what we talked about earlier, where where I I had the impression that Hamilton didn't do anything poorly, but without anybody under center, they don't have anybody that can go take over a game and end at their skill positions either. So there's nobody that's going to step up there and have a huge game and help help out the quarterback. I cannot see them scoring 14 points this game, and I think Calgary's good for at least 20. Well, they were this week. Next up, we have the Toronto Argonauts, three and a half point underdogs at Saskatchewan, over under 43. So Doc and the Riders really has gone down from a few weeks ago. Huh? It has, and they obviously didn't show up, show up well for the rivalry weekend or weekend back to back. But then the question becomes: Is it that they aren't any good? Or is it that just Winnipeg got hot, got on a roll, and just would have steamrolled anybody this past few weeks? We don't know. We really don't know that answer to that question yet, because Saskatchewan did start out three and zero. They dealt with a, a quarterback injury challenge BC in week one with the craziness that happened there. They handled Hamilton when Hamilton hadn't put anything together yet. Really solid win on that front, though. And then they beat Ottawa. Not terribly convincingly, but well enough. Then they had a bye, and then they faced Winnipeg, Winnipeg. So what this team is all about, it's really hard to say yet. And I would say we're, what, this is week seven. We're going to see week eight next week. And week eight's the halfway point, and we still don't really have a good handle on some of these teams. Saskatchewan happens to be one of them. Toronto happens to be another one of them, although they are playing better than our expectations. Are they going to be any better than what they're what where they're at now, or are they going to slide in the second half? Toronto's baffled me since day one. I keep going back and forth the wrong way on them. I'm zigging when they're zagging. <laughs> uh, so with this, All right, so, so with this right. one, I'm going to give the home team the victory, Saskatchewan. It's not going to be a particularly exciting, light up the scoreboard type of game, but I think Saskatchewan, especially if they have Cody Fajardo back under center, which at all appearances on Tuesday night seem like it's going to be the case, I don't see them losing on their home turf to anybody in the East right now. 
Yeah, if I had to bet on gun to my head, whatever, you'd have to go Saskatchewan minus the points. Um, you cannot bet on a team that is as inconsistent as Toronto. I mean, Jesus, last week they won and didn't cover. You can't bet on that team. So I would, just for the sake of oh, money, I would say Saskatchewan minus the points. And, you know, just because. I know, I think I kind of have a hold on Saskatchewan. If they're not being attacked by, like, eight different all-stars, like in Winnipeg, they'll be fine. They're the team that came out 3-0 and this year and are the team that won the, won the West in 2019 in the regular season. If there's still any semblance of that team left, they win this game and don't really take a scare doing it. BC Lions, one and a half point favorites at Montreal. And I think this hit, to, it must have been out, that Kari Jones is now in COVID protocol for 10 days as of Tuesday, December 14th. Worst thing about this is that means that he's out this weekend through the next Sunday. This is really a bummer. This really takes the wind out of my balloon on the Alouettes. Again, after watching that Toronto-Hamilton game, I had some real hope that at least by default, the uh, Alouettes could ascend to the top of this division, but nope, nope, now this. So I read this headline, and I was swearing out loud to myself. I was trying to keep it quiet because people were asleep in the morning, but couldn't do it. I guess, I mean, I guess Coach Kari is going to coach beforehand, virtually. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess, which way are you going on this? Because I'll take the opposite of whatever. Which way you go? Because I feel like this okay. Is well, you're going to be taking BC then, because I've got Montreal in this one for okay. two reasons. First okay. of all, you have the very obvious travel thing. BC going out east is not usually all that fun for them. That's true. That's and then you also have Montreal dealing with the upheaval of the coaching issue, but they may be the team best equipped to handle this sort of thing, because the quarterback is the make or break portion of their offense. Vernon is at his best when he's able to take some coaching in, but also able to freelance, not every play, but enough to make defenses come, come apart. So as long as he, as long as they have a good game plan in place that gives him the opportunity to freelance uh, from time to time, and they have the rest of the offense built, uh, Built around William Stanback, to be honest, and and some shorter yeah. plays with the occasional deep shot built in there instead of every play. I don't see how they I, I don't see how they lose that. Yeah, again, I was looking around today at how BC has done against the run in the past, but again, it's so hard to tell because of these Ottawa games. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't get a good sense of, of where they are. Uh, I was kind of thinking about that today, like how much damage could Stanback do, how much could Adams do against what appears to be a pretty uh, generous defense in terms of yardage. Uh, they seem to be giving up a lot of yardage here. Whether or not Montreal can punch it in remains to be seen. But So it'll be interesting. But again, I feel like this is a coin flip, so I don't mind taking BC 
Uh, I don't like giving the point and a half, but I might take them to win straight up just because. Um, final game. Here we go. Winnipeg Blue Bombers minus eight and a half at Edmonton. Well, you got to like the Bombers in this game. I, I don't see the Elks winning this. You'd have, there's not even a trap game here because the Bombers get the buy after. Yeah, if there's if these teams are who they we think they are, this is this one is going to be over at halftime. <laughs> well, that was the next question I was going to ask: is how much of a spanking is this going to be? Uh, so you so you would give the eight and a half. I I think so. Uh, the Bombers wow. play a defense that is that gives a lot of underneath balls, and Trevor Harris likes to take that when it's offered to him. But the Bombers do something really well that a lot of the rest of the league has trouble with. And that's they tackle the runners before they get before they go very far. You can, they'll give the five yard pass. And they might give up seven on the play. But they're not going to give up seventeen. And if you're going to force Trevor oh. Harris to do that all day, all you need is one one bad pass or one sack. And you know that the sack that the team has the ability to sack the quarterback. All you need to do is knock the offense off stride for one play, usually, when you when they're when they're settling for the short stuff. And Bombers fans have seen their offense be the exact same thing in the past too, where we're just it all all it takes is one play to knock them off stride because all they're doing is going five yards at a shot. I think that's a defense that the Bombers can play, and the Elks would have to find a way to get in deeper into that secondary, and that's just not happening this week. I mean, all the great things about Winnipeg, that the front, the defensive front is insanely good. Just so good. I mean, uh, yeah, Edmonton has not shown that they could that they could stop a pass rush like that. And even and even if they go short all game and try to mitigate the pass rush with the short balls, all it takes is one missed pass or one Willie Jefferson dropping into coverage and picking one off, which happens quite frequently, or even knocking it down, and all of a sudden you're in second and long, and the defense got its ears pinned back, and God help you all. Mind you, the Elks have a ton of receivers and that have talent, and they have a good running game when they want to use it but they don't tend to want to use it too often. Yeah, I would give the points on this as well to Winnipeg. Winnipeg wins again, and then we'll get to see how the bye week affects them because a lot of teams are not coming out of this bye week like they should be coming out of the bye week this year. But for this week, we'll sign off the show. Joe can be found at USFL Tecmo on Twitter. The Rouge White Blue Podcast is at RWB Podcast on Twitter. I'm at OzDavis42, and you can visit the Rouge White and Blue shop and get some neat clothing and accessories. They got pint glasses there. I didn't even know this, so I went to the, I went to the shop uh, yesterday, and they, they have pint glasses with the Rouge White and Blue logo. It's a swell design. The merchandise looks really great. Uh, the best way to go there would be tinyurl.com slash rwbshop. That's all you need to do is redirect you right to it. Uh, Joe, anything else you want to say in closing? Yeah, if there's something else you find at other spring shops that you'd like to see us do, let me know. I'm happy to pop it up in the shop for you. Oh, great. 
There's more. There's more where that came from as far as stuff goes. I just picked some of the most common items. Mm. So there's plenty of more selection out there if you're so inclined. Oh, gee. Okay. So I'm going to log off of this show so I can go log on to Teespring. I'm Oz Davis for my co-host, Joe Pritchard. This has been the Rouge White Blue CFL Podcast. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. 